Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hey, caffeinators. Dave, let's see here. It's uh, Oh, it's Friday the 13th today. It's Friday the 13th, yeah. Yeah, I am stoked to be off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, because you know what tonight is. Tonight is our fantasy football draft. Yes. And... Uh, I was thinking meteor Fun. shower, but you were thinking fantasy football draft. But I mean, that's yeah. that's what I've been yeah. focused on for the last month or yeah. so, so. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Good job. Yeah, super hot here in North Carolina. How's things out there? Uh, it's actually been really nice the last couple of days. I it's funny. Um, you know, anybody when I take calls at work, anybody that uh, you know, a lot of people ask where I'm at because we're basically a call center. Every time I say I'm in California, you know, oh, is it on fire there? Do you have a lot of smoke? Well, <laughs> down here in Southern California, I got to say, you know, it's a, sadly, it's a little early in the year for our fire season, but um, we, we were talking to some friends <laughs> in Rhode so Island. Have a fire season. I know, I know. We were talking to friends in Rhode Island just the other day and, and he was saying how, how smoky and hazy it is there from the fires here out West. Yeah, and and yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's beautiful and clear down here. Like, but in another four to six weeks, it'll be we'll be on fire. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I I'm glad that that, uh, that we don't have that problem right now. But it's it's been nice. It's been nice here. So yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I I was telling you off air. I kind of don't believe it, but I actually listened to a podcast today, um, <laughs> and I, I found it super interesting, and I wanted to bring it up. And it was the Cone of Shame. It was uh, Dr. Andy Rourke's podcast, and he was talking to Dr. Sarah Boston, um, a surgical oncologist up in Canada, and they were talking about a few things, but. I don't know if it was actually the title of the episode, but it was basically, and they kept kept asking each other, like, am I a bad person for having these thoughts about veterinary medicine and things that we're doing and so on and so forth. And they covered a lot of ground in that hour. But one of the things that, that I thought was, was super interesting, Dr. Rourke brought up this idea that in human medicine, there is a patient's bill of rights. And he said how it's kind of transitioning into a patient's rights and responsibilities. His point was that you see on Facebook so many of our colleagues posting about being kind and, you know, treating your veterinary team better and with respect and what have you. And, and they were kind of saying, but that's being shared by just the veterinary community to the veterinary community. Like, is it actually accomplishing right. anything? Whereas if you take those messages and you come up with rules of the practice and have that posted in your hospital and actually adopt a code of ethics or a, a you know a set of patient or of client responsibilities in terms of behavior and don't tolerate things or or ending the doctor client mm -hmm. relationship you know whereas whereas you then have something to kind of stand behind and say no no look we we don't tolerate this you I'm sorry yeah. you, you have to go now um, yeah. and there is no apology. There is no like, 
no, like we're we're, we're done. It's a we're, zero, zero tolerance right. policy, right? And, and, and actually have that written up and enforced instead of saying, you know, what we've tolerated this for so long, we're done. Well, well, I don't understand. Like, why why is it a problem now? Well, no, no, no. Here's the thing. It's been a problem. It's been a problem. Yeah. And, and we are now like we have this list and we are enforcing this. And I'm sorry, you got, you got to go somewhere else. And it was it was yeah. really interesting discussion, you know, from it really, really thought provoking for me, you know, because there are so many practices that don't look at things like that. I mean, you know, you come from the same time frame I did when when if somebody called and requested their medical records, it was like, oh, gosh. What, yeah. Like, like, what do we do? Like, what What do we do? Um, we can't. Nobody can know about this. Like, what What competing hospital are they going to? Like, like I mean, the the you know the doctor would try to reach out to that person individually and ask like what we could do to retain them. And like, man, we got to let them go. And now, now it's the opposite. Now we now got we like, got to let them go. Where can we send your records? Right. Like, <laughs> let them go. Because, yeah. you know, and, and there was so many, so anybody out there, if, um, you know, if, if you haven't checked out uh, his podcast, I've, I've heard a few episodes, I certainly don't catch them all, but that one kind of spoke to me. And I think it kind of spoke to a lot of different things that are going on in veterinary medicine right now. Um, and it was really interesting perspectives. I, I, I highly recommend uh, listening to that episode. Yeah. Sounds great. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So we got, uh, we got a couple weeks coming up to IVEX. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still on. Excited for that. Yeah. Still on, still in person, still going. So, um, so far, so, so far, far, so good. So far we'll, we'll see, but, uh, yeah, next month right now we'll be there. Super cool. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be almost done with it by this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of things are evolving and, Sadly, numbers are, are increasing and there may be, you know, changes afoot and what have you. Um, we are still, you know, kind of loosely planning on trying to have some kind of get together somewhere. But but that, you know, is, is in a little bit of flux right now. We'll, we'll definitely yeah. keep everybody posted on that. Even if we can't uh, gather, if you are in Nashville and attending IVEX and you see Dave or I, flag us down. We'll have some stuff for you. Say hi. Tell us who you are, where you're from. <laughs> Uh, we will have some. We will have some stuff for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, what do you think, buddy? Should we uh, go ahead and get rolling on this episode? Yeah, let's keep going. We've been excited for this one for a while. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I think this is going to be some really great conversations. So, hope you enjoy this one, caffeinators. Hey, caffeinators, have you looked to see if a career with a veterinary emergency group is right for you? Currently, there are 24 locations in nine states with over 30 additional locations opening through 2023. With paid credential support and industry-leading wages, see if becoming a veggie is right for you. Visit veterinaryemergencygroup.com or find them on our website, vettechcafe.com today. Hello, caffeinators. Thanks again for coming by the Vet Tech Cafe again today. Dave, I know it's going to be a Another hot one for us. What do you think? We just get started here. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's just get going. Love it. Love it. We have um, really, really excited for today's guest coming by the Vet Tech Cafe today. We have Ken Yagi on the show. I, I can almost guarantee if you're hearing this podcast, you know who Ken Yagi is. But in <laughs> case you don't, I will uh, tell you a little bit about him. During his 20 years in veterinary medicine, he's kind of discovered and refined his role as a veterinary technician by promoting compassionate and progressive care for the patients and their families. He's double VTS in small animal internal medicine and emergency and critical care and has his master's degree in veterinary science, which is super cool. Currently is the chief veterinary off veterinary nursing officer for veterinary emergency group or commonly referred to as VEG. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, and is the program director for the recover initiative. He's been the NAVTA veterinary technician a year of the year award recipient, 
the California RVT Association Technician of the Year Award recipient and the California Veterinary Medical Association Veterinary Technician of the Year Award. So uh, lots of book chapters, lots of publications. Ken, we could talk to you about probably 50 different things for 50 different hours, and I certainly <laughs> hope you uh, you will agree to do this again for us. Today we're going to focus on kind of the veg stuff, but before we get to that, first question is, are you a caffeine drinker? What can we get you for a caffeinated beverage of choice? <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, I am, actually. That um, One of the favorite things that I like to do when I'm out traveling and going to conferences and things like that is to find just one of the local coffee places. I'm not much of a coffee uh, connoisseur, so I just get a latte, and then I, it's just, is this bitter, or does it taste good? That's all I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love I was going to say, if with everything that you do in your in your career and, and how I see you in so many different places, I was afraid you were going to be one of those people that said, oh, I don't really drink coffee. <laughs> I don't need it. Like how, how would you do that? I tell myself that I only drink coffee for the taste, uh, but uh, some people may disagree with that. So yeah, yeah, I, I can I can definitely relate to that. So if you don't mind, uh, we always ask our guests kind of the the next question is to take a few minutes and take us through your career path. So uh, I mean, I kind of hit on some of the highlights there, but I know you've done a lot of different things along the way. You wear a lot of different hats. So from your perspective, just some of the highlights, kind of what got you started and steps along the way to where you are now? Well, this could be a pretty long story, but uh, I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> um, but um, when people ask me how I started out, um, I often say something like, you know, I actually didn't mean to be a veterinary technician when I started out. <laughs> and uh, I know that uh, sounds a little bit funny, and I'll wrap it up. I think well, it'll come in a circle and uh, actually uh, choose to be one. But with that said, um, I actually went to vet school for a short while. That uh, I went through college. And didn't know exactly uh, what I wanted to do before that point, but people in my cultural background, you know, being an MD is something that's held in high regards. But I probably felt like, well, I don't want to, like, I'm not such a people person. <laughs> and so maybe that's not what I want to <laughs> do. What about veterinary medicine? UC Davis is close by. So I went to UC Davis uh, undergrad, applied to vet schools. I got into one of them. And so I went for a short while. But um, I think very quickly, I kind of found that uh, going down into the basement uh, where the classroom that we normally you know, study in is and it's kind of like this box that we spend our time in and um, through all that uh, I had another uh, I had a job during that time that uh, I worked part-time for a medical genetics colony and uh, I worked with animals there and the hands-on work that I did with the animals uh, seemed to be a lot more fulfilling to me than like going into that box and studying. And so, um, so it didn't, like, it, it felt like it didn't, you know, quite work out. Uh, it didn't fit uh, in culturally, whatever. I, I don't know what the reason is, um, but uh, I decided that I was going to drop out. And so, but I knew I wanted to stay in veterinary medicine. Um, I found this place uh, called the Adobe Animal Hospital, which I spent my first 17 years of my career at. And so I started out there as uh, now I know to be a veterinary assistant. That's not credentialed. <laughs> um, um, and that's where my uh, career started. But uh, through all that, um, I met uh, Nancy Schaffrin. That, that she came to give a CE talk. Uh, she's you know the person that does the uh, pain medication related uh, you know CE. Uh, I think we all see her as uh, somebody who's mentored us through uh, a lot of the processes that we've gone through. But anyways, um, she came to the practice to do a little bit of CE for us. 
And so I was in the lunchroom when she came and I could hear the owner of the practice, uh, Dr. Roos, coming through, like coming upstairs, coming down the hallway. I can hear him coming and I know that uh, he's showing somebody around. He comes into the room and uh, says, oh, and here's the guy that uh, dropped out from vet school and now he works <laughs> as a technician. <laughs> and so, you can imagine, I'm like, oh, God, like, how, oh, why do you no. introduce me? Like that? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's true. Can we can we maybe change that up and make it sound a little little more flattering? Right, right. And so, um, but Nancy, like you know, in that moment, sure, I felt like, oh god. But uh, Nancy took a look. You know, she raised her eyebrow like she normally does and has that stern look. But she know, you know, she's a very kind person. And she asked me, uh, so do you like it? And that's where my immediate response to that was, yeah, you know what, I do. And so then she said well, then get yourself credentialed that, uh, you know, this is uh, something that you can do. There's also something called BTS certification. And that's where it kind of opened up my eye towards, oh, there's actually credentialing for this that uh, I can obtain. So then I worked towards credentialing. It took me several years. I can tell you all the story behind that, but, uh, but eventually got there. And then the next step was BTS certification. But around that time, Nancy had come out again. And she asked me, uh, as we were talking about what kind of training we want to have her come do. And I was explaining a certain case. Um, and she said, hey, you know what? Do you want to do a case report at IFEX? And so uh, that's where I said to myself, oh, I didn't realize I could do that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so every time I saw her, it was like she pointed out another thing that I could be doing, another step that I could be taking. And I really am thankful for her for doing that. And that's uh, so why I did my case report. Um, and right up to the point that I was up at the podium, I thought to myself, like, why did I sign up for this? This is, you know, this is crazy <laughs> and very nervous about it. But once I gave my case report and uh, got the feedback from the judges and the I guess it was, you know, this excitement of being able to share the experiences that I've had and the insight that maybe I was able to bring to other people. I felt like, wow, this is amazing. And she said that uh, I'll recommend for you to come back for a lecture next year. And that was when I did my first uh, one hour lecture. And so that kind of set me out on the educational side of being able to share my knowledge and all of that. Uh, and so as I did more and more of these lecturing, trying to create ways in which I can share my knowledge, I went through uh, being a credentialed technician. So I did my case report and took my VTS exam on the same year. <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, so then I became, uh, you know, I obtained my second VTS uh, in internal medicine. And uh, I thought to myself, okay, well, what's the next thing that I could be doing? Uh, and so I think that's where I ran into my master's degree, that uh, there's if there's more education that I can get to make myself better as a technician, I should be doing that. And as I was doing that, I became the ICU supervisor. I became a co-manager and then eventually a sole manager of the ICU as things changed and got rearranged in the, um, the hospital. But, um, so I feel like I've sort of gone through the clinical pathway in a certain way. Uh, I've gone into education and training because I uh, brought in a lot of things into Adobe at the same time that I was training myself and I was finding CE outside of the, the practice and trying to bring back knowledge so that we can elevate our uh, care that we're providing. 
And I think that the, there's a third uh, pathway that I'm thinking about for careers um, that I ran into as well. And this was at uh, one of the ACVIM conferences. Uh, I got to have dinner with uh, Vicky O'Green, who was the president of NAFTA at the time. And uh, this is around the time where I was doing more conferences and seeing the world outside of the practice and starting to see what the profession looked like. And so um, just uh, in that conversation, um, she obviously has a lot on her mind about what the profession looks like and how it should change and all that sort of stuff. And I just asked a simple question of how can I help? Like, you know, can I help in this? And uh, so we had some conversations, probably like half a year later, uh, she reached out and said that there is a committee that uh, has an opening in uh, for the chair position for the state representative committee. This is a committee that, that reached out to all the state associations, brought them together for summits, having bigger picture, professional discussions, things like that. And uh, would you be interested in serving that role? And so that's where I got introduced to the uh, leadership, maybe advocacy pathway. And uh, so then from there, I started to see more and more of what's going on on each of the states at the national level. And that's what led me to doing all the things that I've been doing regarding uh, the Veteran Nurse Initiative, being on the board for NAFTA and eventually going through the presidency cycle. And I'll be off of that uh, cycle at the end of this year. But it's all been very fulfilling. Awesome. That's awesome. amazing. Ken, just kind of taking a, a step back and looking at, at where you've come from to where you are now and all of your positions on boards and your involvement with the VNI and now your involvement with VEG, where do you see the veterinary technician profession right now? Like what's great about it? What do we need to fix? I, I realize that there are some things that VEG is, is doing that are working really hard to fix the technician profession, which I think is amazing. But what do, where do you see the profession right now? Yeah, um, and that's an interesting question to consider because I can say that uh, we're probably both in the worst place and the best place at the same time, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. an interesting thing yeah, to say. That's, that's um, probably very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say it's uh, kind of in the worst place in that uh, if we think about like the attrition rate, um, which uh, likely has not been ever higher than what it is that we're experiencing today. And then we have the stresses of COVID on top of that, things like that. Um, um, I think that uh, if we talk about some of the issues that surround the profession, there's a general widespread nature of toxic workplaces, maybe working habits, um, what we think is the, the norm in terms of how we treat each other, not being so friendly or kind, and uh, how valued we feel in our practices or in the field as well, right? That's a common thing that uh, comes up. Now, do we have room for growth wherever we are, like all of us? And do we have a career pathway that we see in front of ourselves? I know that we've all gone through the process of being VTSs and reaching higher and higher heights, but can everyone do that? It's probably not necessarily the case. And so the stresses around the profession is very evident. And I think the turnover that we're seeing and the shortage that we're seeing reflects that. But mm. I also feel like we're also in the best place that uh, the need for change is now recognized. Now, it, it's mm. bad that it took things to get 
this bad before that was fully recognized, <laughs> right. or maybe it's not even fully recognized yet. But the pressure is really on for the field to change and to attract and retain people so that we can continue growing and veterinary medicine as a whole will be sustainable. And so I'm seeing more and more leaders that are emerging to actually do something about it, just, you know, not just talking about the changes that need to happen, but actually creating the change that, that we'd like to see. There's every organization, leaders within it, different companies are looking at making the profession sustainable uh, because we're recognized as without us, veterinary medicine altogether is not sustainable. Absolutely. Is there is there one thing, you know, if you could pick one thing to just wave a magic wand and fix in the veterinary <laughs> medicine, for veterinary technicians right now, what would you what would you pick as that one thing? <laughs> Do we have to narrow it down to one thing? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and uh, say that uh, some of the things that pop up in my mind, uh, I feel like we're still uh, stuck in the way that we've always done it, um, that there's a mm -hmm. certain culture that's set in in veterinary medicine today that uh, we kind of accept as norms. So there's certain biases that exist, that uh, things are, this is how it is. But uh, one thing that I enjoy about Veg, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, is that um, we kind of employed the first principle thought process, meaning that uh, if there's an issue to solve, we don't necessarily think about how do we adjust what's going on today and how do we tweak this to make it a little bit better. We think about it in the sense of um, like, what's the right solution for this? So let's come up with that solution. And so I think that that uh, type of thought process is more needed in veterinary medicine uh, because it's such a institution already that though there's bigger changes that need to happen. But I also, yeah. um, as a profession as a whole, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of us getting into this us versus them mentality that uh, is really holding us back. We can hmm. probably name stuff like veterinarians versus non-veterinarians, credentialed versus non-credentialed individuals, people who believe that we should be called veterinary nurses versus people who believe that they should be called veterinary technicians from versus back staff versus management, uh, corporate versus independent practices, new generation versus old generation. Like the list could go on like pet owners versus, Day shift veterinary versus night shift, Day yeah. shift versus night shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're very familiar with that. Um, yeah. And um, I think we just need to realize that none of us are in this position or sorry, profession and um, field without wanting to do the best for our patients. And that's what we got this got into this to begin with. Um, so each of us, need to be leaders in bringing resources together for that bigger, greater goal. And um, I think if I was to add one more thing, um, I uh, tend to see a lot of black and white thinking that um, we tend to focus on one thing as the issue or the solution to those issues. Um, so I think uh, some of the things that I could think about is um, how the Veterinary Nurse Initiative is seen as a simple title change. No, it's much more to that than uh, uh, what uh, people may think of it as just from the naming of it. Or if we fix utilization, then we're going to be good. Or if title protection is in place, then that solves our issues. Uh, but I think that the world is more nuanced, nuanced than that, and it's multifaceted in terms of the issues that exist today, how they interconnect with each other. And so we can't just focus on one thing and think that things are going to be okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very true. Uh, so now you're the CVNO for Veg. How did that, like, first of all, let's, let's look at where did Veg come from? I, 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 I feel like I've only heard about them in the last six months or so. Where did they come from? 
<laughs> um, like what started it? <laughs> yeah, so um, veg, and uh, I'm probably not the best person to be talking uh, to regarding like the intricate <laughs> histories of veg since uh, I've been there nine months now. Um, but with that said, uh, veg has been around for several years now, and uh, it started out in White Plains, and it's an emergency practice group that now has uh, 24 locations and uh, opening our 25th very soon. So uh, we are an uh, emergency company, and uh, our goal is to build the world's emergency company. There is a mission statement um, that, that we all you know, uh, take a look at every day. It's on our walls uh, in each of the practices that uh, we are there for uh, the people and the pets when they need it most. And within it, um, I think we'll talk about uh, my role there as well, that uh, my mission is to reimagine emergency veterinary nursing. How about we start there and then see what you guys sure, want to talk yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how did how did it come about that you are the CVNO? Did they reach out to you? Was it was it something you Yeah. Yeah, I guess were, this was probably for? It, yeah. like yeah, new position that was created, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, um definitely so. So, um at the first like the, the first 17 years of my career um when I was at Adobe, there's uh several things that I say have defined me to be the person that I am. And uh, one of them is open hospital uh, policy. So Adobe uh, was uh, or is a place still that, that does the open hospital concept, which is that uh, the owners are able to come, quote unquote, to the back, the treatment area, and uh, be with their pets uh, throughout the the entire process. And uh, that's uh, really good in the sense that uh, it, that creates a lot of transparency. Uh, it's a very much people-focused approach, both for the uh, owners and the, the team, and the trust that it builds is incredible. And that's where I grew up, and I truly believe in it. And that's one thing. And Veg is also a fully open hospital uh, environment. I also um, am very invested in creating an environment which people in our profession can function with autonomy and uh, treat it as professionals and uh, have the sustainability. And uh, Veg truly believes in that as well. And uh, I think that one of the biggest things to make this uh, to make this profession sustainable that I focused on a lot is to remove some of the emotional tolls that we experience being in the profession, such as like, you know, performing CPR and maybe it's not going really well that things don't click, people are yelling at each other, and then we end up using the uh, losing the, the patient on top of that. And the level of like emotional damage that things like that can cause pointed me towards um, trying to uh, fix that kind of situation through training like uh, the Recover Initiative. And so those are the kinds of things that I really focused on um, as I went through my career. And then um, as I was sharing my knowledge regarding the open hospital policy at IVEX several years ago, um, I got reacquainted with David Bessler, who is the CEO of uh, VEG. And, uh, you know, he obviously had an interest in me giving that talk and came to listen because that's what he was doing, where he, uh, you know, started up Veg and uh, started to grow this company. And I think that uh, initially they had reached out to me to be the training manager for education manager for their company. And I wasn't necessarily interested in that particular position because I already had a role where I felt like I had a real good global impact. I was at Cornell at the time. I'm able to help standardize how CPR is performed on a global scale where I'm developing simulation-based learning, and that's going to help everyone around the world. And uh, so it didn't seem like the right move to make, but uh, we just kind of touched base from time to time on 
different kinds of topics related to uh, veterinary medicine, veterinary emergency, did a little bit of training for veg uh, every once in a while, that kind of stuff. And then in the, I guess, uh, year or so ago, uh, that outreach became more and more frequent that, that we started talking about what they're doing at veg um, and also me expressing my thoughts on what kinds of issues the profession's uh, facing today and what kinds of things we want to fix. They always also wanted to fix all that. And we all started discussing about how the open hospital policy was not really anything revolutionizing. If you think about what the right way to conduct veterinary medicine and treat animals and uh, you know, treating people like human beings look like, but that resonated very much uh, together with us as well. And um, as I'm talking about things like uh, creating advanced practice and veterinary nursing, people who can function like nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, um, how the profession should progress, what does uh, you know our profession look like in the future? I kind of, um, I think, threw out the question there and asked them, you know, I always wondered why there isn't a CVNO position, like a, a chief veterinary nursing officer in any of these companies yet. And I think mm. um, that uh, sparked a thought. And when they came back and we talked again next time, they said, we want to establish this position and we want you to do it. So that's how um, this all came about. And okay. the reason why I took it was because Veg basically wanted to give us, and I say us in the term of the profession, not just me, the ability to sort of like repaint what the veterinary nursing profession looks like on a blank canvas to fix the issues that we have today and uh, shape the future for the profession. And so that's why I took it. Uh, through Veg, <laughs> I knew that I could make a global impact by the things that we'll be doing. Awesome. Um, you, you mentioned in there several times the, the open concept or the open practice. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about it a couple of different times. I've certainly never worked anywhere that, that does that. I don't think, Dave, you have either. Nope. And one of the things that always comes up about uh, hurdles our profession faces is public perception. What better way to educate the public what we can do than having them there watch. And, and if you think about human nursing, human nursing, human nurses are it's the most trusted profession in the world. Why? Because they're working on the patients and the patients know who's doing what to them. They are watching, in many cases, that be done. And we, we have always just had the back in veterinary medicine, but what better way I, I still would struggle like transitioning, I think, to an open concept <laughs> hospital, though I probably would make it work. But what better way to educate the public than that? I absolutely agree that um, I think there's a HBR article that uh, talks about operational transparency. And I guess that's the official terminology for um, hmm. you know showing people how uh, people work. Right. And uh, the title says something like uh, show people how hard you work, because if you know, for example, for a veterinary practice, the common situation is that they walk into the lobby, they're greeted by the receptionist, they're walked into an exam room by somebody, maybe, you know, taking weights and things like that, and they wait there for a little while. And in emergency practice, it could be a long while that they're sitting in that room. And then the doctor comes in and has a short conversation, and then there's some exchange that says, okay, well, we're going to take him to the back a little bit and uh, get some blood and do some diagnostics, and then we'll come right back. And so then they take the animal to the back and then they hear commotion. People maybe like, you know, uh, not yelling at each other, but like, you know, yelling to somebody for like, you know, directions or whatever it might be there. So they hear the, all these sounds. 
Uh, and then maybe they hear a cat scream and like, you know, <laughs> is that my cat or is that like, you know, somebody <laughs> else's right, cat? Yeah. Like, what the heck is going on? Um, and so then, so if you think about it that way, there's a lot of um, things left to people's imagination on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And when you leave mm -hmm. it to people's imagination, it could go off in all sorts of different uh, directions. <laughs> but I also um, want to come back to your point, which is that being able to show the professionals that are working within the hospital as a part of the team is truly one of the best ways for them to appreciate what they are coming to the bettering practices for and who's involved. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's another you know, very good uh, benefit to the open hospital concept. Absolutely. Ken, how has that worked, you know, when... <laughs> In, in the time of COVID where we're not letting people in the buildings, are you guys letting people in, in the building still for all that? Or has it kind of been on, on a pause? Yeah. Um, so uh, initially, and so this is like, I joined the the company in the peak of the pandemic. In as the well. of it, yeah. <laughs> and so um, at that time, like I couldn't even start visiting the practices to get to know how things flow. But uh, yes, um, absolutely. That uh, the, the pet owners were uh, curbside uh, for the most part, and then uh, people were allowed to not come into the practice, but actually all the veg practices are set up so that there's uh, glass walls on the exterior so that, that people are able to look into the practice. And that's another form of um, transparency that, that we want to have. And so mm -hmm. uh, many of the, uh, or one of the very creative teams within the veg uh, practices uh, what they did was they brought the treatment room to the lobby so that people can actually be right outside watching what's going on so oh, that wow. we can still do that transparency, but, you know, not be in the um, physical distance. Uh, you know, they have a barrier huh. between them. That's and great. So then once one practice did that, the, all the practices started to doing that. And so when I started, uh, things started to get a little bit better. I got vaccinated. I, you know, moved, like I started visiting. I could still see the remnants of, um, exam room or exam tables being right up at the glass wall in the front in the lobby. And then, uh, you know, things became a little bit better. So we started to allow people into the hospital. And now we're having, you know, very serious discussions on how we're going to move forward in terms of what are the uh, mass policies versus, you know, how, how do we deal with each of these situations as the numbers are rising today? So, yeah. so that's yeah. an ongoing conversation for sure. Mm, gotcha. Hey, caffeinators, we're just going to take a quick break from the show to pay some bills, and we'll be right back. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com slash reviews. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit betterhelp.com slash vettechcafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. As chief veterinary nursing officer, I, I mean, I kind of have in my head 
what that would look like. But tell me, like, what are some of your responsibilities? Is that writing, say, SOPs? Is that going to different hospitals and visiting and doing training? What all kind of does that entail? Yeah. Um, so I think that、uh, I have to tie it back to my mission. So I told you that my、okay. mission is to reimagine emergency veterinary nursing, and there's three key pieces that, that I tie to that. Then one is that we're going to be the paradigm of emergency nursing. Two is that nursing is going to be a lifelong career, and three is that we're going to inspire the field of veterinary nursing. And so the first piece about being the paradigm of emergency nursing it means that we're going to、um, set and、uh, follow nursing care standards, bring in best practices.、Uh, we would be defining and mastering competencies as a nursing care team so that we can serve our role better. And then the last piece that I'm really excited about is um, that um, we want to model what the practice of nursing looks like in veterinary medicine because I think there's bits and pieces of it out there, but really putting it together and describing it in a concrete manner is something that we want to. Get to, and、uh, we're going to help do that. And so this part is all about the clinical elevation of the team. The part about making nursing a lifelong career—that means that anyone with any level of experience and education should be able to come into veg and grow along career pathway that、uh, allows them to consider this a career and retire with us. And through it, they should have financial、mm. sustainability. Uh, they should have、uh, mental health, and they should also have physical health. And each and every day, we want them to feel that they're making a difference and contributing to the greater goal. And then the last piece is what about、uh, inspiring the field of veterinary nursing, in that、uh, we're going to be the voice for the profession. You've probably seen,、uh, you know,、uh, signs of that already, and. That, that we want to have leaders emerge from the company that we have, and for those people to sit at the table for discussion and debate on what the future of veterinary nursing looks like, and that、uh, we would be regarded as experts and leaders in advancements and innovation. And so that's kind of like the that was a little bit longer than I wanted to be in a spiel. Of, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. It's it's good though. Yeah. So Ken, as two veterinary technicians that are are. Pretty happy with their jobs right now.、Uh, how would you recruit the two of us? What what is going to bring us into veg? Wow,、um, I think that、uh, <laughs> am I being tested here? Like, can I can I draw you guys in? <laughs> Depends on your answer. I mean, it doesn't hurt to listen to the offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so、um, I think that it comes down to、uh, some of what I've already mentioned, which is、uh, the issues that we're facing as a profession. We're Really,、uh, so if I was to list them out, one of the th、uh, top things that always comes up with surveys, polls—you know—we ask each other what、uh, what's the most important to us is pay, right? That, that we don't get paid well enough, or you know, the profession doesn't get the pay that they deserve.、Um, and then some of the other things might be public and professional recognition. Do we have a voice in the practice?、Um, do we have decisions made for us or are decisions made by us?、Uh, that's a difference there. Um, and then some of the toxic、um, interactions that could happen because of different personalities and such.、Um, already at Veg, I would say that a lot of that is、uh, so much better. It's a completely different world, and I walk into these practices, and the atmosphere is completely different. But with all that said, we're, we've recently introduced a whole lot of、um, changes that、uh, really hit these issues right on the right on the head, and we're hitting it head on. 
And so one of the things that we did was we uh, introduced um, a new pay scale that uh, recognizes people's uh, skill level, the credentials that they have, and uh, the certifications that they come with. And so uh, for you guys, because I'm talking to you guys, <laughs> BTS is, um, you know, just depending on the geographic region, but uh, it could earn anywhere from $38 an hour to $48.50 an hour. And if you're in a training role, that goes up to $53 an hour. And so um, I know that, that we're not all talking about like interested in the monetary aspect, but uh, I just want to uh, emphasize that um, one of the re one of the things that uh, I'm realizing as I'm rolling out this change is that many companies haven't placed a whole lot of value on credentials, certifications, education, the skill set that people have, um, and so we as Veg definitely are saying that uh, credentialing does matter. And we want you to believe that it matters because it does. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why VTSs are given that high of a range. But also credentialed mm -hmm. technicians are being paid $5 an hour more than non-credentialed individuals. But it doesn't mean that non-credentialed individuals are not uh, valued as a team member. They are. And so there's a little bit of an overlap between the credentialed individuals and non-credentialed individuals. Yeah. But for the people who want to become credentialed, we provide a credential support program that uh, fully subsidizes and reimburses their tuition. We pay for all their licensing uh, aspects of so the examination, exam prep, uh, licensing fees. And we also provide a bonus on top of that uh, to people that become licensed. And the bonus part, like it just makes it feel like, you know, we're talking about finances and all that sort of stuff. But again, I just want to um, reiterate that this is us as Veg as a company saying that credentialing has value. And so go out there and do it so you can make yourself a better technician and uh, provide better nursing care. Just to follow up on, on the pay, you know, that's that's one of the, you know, when we see the posts from from Veg about what you guys are offering, and, and it's just, the first time I saw that, I was like, this must be like Northern California or something like that, because I, I can't get paid that here. What created that change? What what made you guys come up with that, that range? Because, you know, we often hear like, you're going to get competitive wage, and competitive wage is nowhere near what you guys are paying. So what made you guys decide that that's what you were going to do? Like, did you have, like, market research that, that gave you those numbers, or, or did you just kind of say, you know what, we're going to pay them what they're worth, and we're going to go from there? Yeah. Um, so long process, obviously, because I've been here <laughs> yeah, nine months yeah. and we're finally rolling this out. But um, with that said, it, I think it's still a process that needed to take place. I went in there saying, we're going to pay our people like nurses. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I like to do that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, is that what we can do or like immediately? Is that the solution to our current uh, situation with uh, staffing needs and things like that? Not necessarily. So we went through the process, like you mentioned, that uh, we did a compensation analysis. We took a look at the what the similar practices uh, and veterinary practices in general are paying uh, people in different geographic regions. And uh, you'll kind of be surprised of the scarcity of information that surrounds that out there right now. That, uh, sure, we have the you know Bureau of Labor Statistics, but you, we know that uh, $17 an hour is not what we should be getting paid. Um, <laughs> and uh, as an average, you know, so there are people lower than that even. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, the point is we went through that process and we took a look at that information and we had consultants that, uh, you know, looked at that kind of stuff. And I think that deep down, we knew that the numbers that we were going to get, the report that we were going to get, wasn't going to be satisfying, that we're not going to say, okay, yeah, let's just, uh, you know, one up that a little bit and we're going to be okay. And so then we got the results. Sure enough, 
it was uh, way too low. Um, and so then we went back to the original question, I think, which is the most important question. What do we need to pay these people in order for them to have a career? And so then that's what that, you know, restarted that conversation to say, okay, then it needs to be this much. How much can we be like, how much can we pay these people? And we know that there's going to be short-term financial um, impact that that will have in each of the practices, but we're talking about the long-term. We want to elevate veterinary nurses. We want to elevate our profession and have them be the people that command the pay that we're going to give them. And so there's a lot of things that went to it. That's why we have the pay scale change. We have the nursing role changes, mm -hmm. uh, nursing team uh, role changes that we're implementing that uh, we're clearly distinguishing between credentialed individuals and non-credentialed individuals, but all of them being a part of the nursing care team that are very important. And um, also the credential support program so that the people who haven't had the opportunity to become credentialed now do, and they don't have any kind of financial things that are keeping right. them from doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things I like too, is, is the, the, not, not to put a t term on, on it being levels, but you know, if you're coming into veg as an uncredentialed assistant, and then, you know, there's enough of a pay gap to a credentialed technician and another pay gap to a VTS where it's actually a little bit, you know, there are so many, I think, uh, veterinary assistants who the practices they're at, they're not going to recognize the credential. They're not. They they might get a fifty cent raise, but it's not worth the cost of going through school or obtaining that education or the cost of the exam and all the licensure and all that. It's it's not it's not worth it to them. But with this kind of a scale, it is actually worth it to continue to move forward and move up. And especially with, as you said, you know, veg helping with the exam fees and helping with re tuition reimbursements and things of that sort. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah. And, Ken, and Ken, is there is there any like? I mean, I realize with the with the pay you're offering, th there's not really a, a big risk of of losing technicians. But is there like any type of contract that they have to sign once they sign on for that? Like, especially if they're being paid for you know going through credentialing and all that stuff. Is there something that helps you retain these guys? Um, so, uh, the credential support program, uh, part of the eligibility requirement is for people to be full-time employees while they're going through it. Um, mm. and so there's that aspect of it. So if you want that support, you would be employed at VEG. Mm -hmm. But with that said, there is absolutely no contract that's, um, keeping okay. people from leaving VEG after they obtain their license. And yeah. I kind of, I've been going around talking to people about this, but all 24 hospitals. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> um, what I've been telling them is that, uh, you know, uh, we have a great culture. This is a completely different kind of company. And, you know, after all this, we hope you like us. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. uh, but if that's not the case, um, our philosophy is that uh, holding somebody who doesn't want to be there by some kind of contract is actually going to be harmful for both the person mm. and ourselves uh, in the long run. And so that's, that's just not a part of our philosophy. We want people yeah, to great. be there with their free will. Yeah. It's kind of that, that adage. I, I forget the saying, but something like train your employees so that they can leave and go on and do better things, but treat them as such that they'll, that they'll never want to, that they'll want to right. stay, and, right. you know, something along those lines. But I, that's, that's super cool. That sounds very um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Veg has, has recruited some amazing veterinary technician talent recently, and a couple of former guests on our show that come to mind, Aaron Spencer and, and Amy Newfield. And so, so clearly, I mean, it's not just, it's not just pomp and circumstance. It's clearly there is something going on here that amazing technicians and our 
in our world are are gravitating to this like what are the some of the long-term goals with with recruiting this level talent um does that all just kind of going in going into the reimagining of things or what what do you kind of see as a long-term plan there yeah, um, does taking over the world count? <laughs> I mean, basically, <laughs> it should. <laughs> no. and, you know, I say that a little bit jokingly, but um, it is true that we want to be the world's emergency company. Um, and so then we need the world's best. And that's why mm. we reached out to people like Aaron, people like uh, Amy. And uh, Aaron's role is very important in that um, she is the director of veterinary nursing development. And so she is going to be heading up the training uh, company wide. And she has uh, with her core Courtney Waxman, uh, Mar Marlena Hrosh, who is also a VTS, and also uh, Joel uh, Stengone, who is also a VTS. And so that's their team that's uh, going through different kinds of um, development of training programs. Because one of the things that tends to happen in veterinary practices is that people get hired on, they're kind of thrown in, and sink or swim, right? And yeah. so then some <laughs> of us emerge from that uh, the way that we are, and we're maybe stronger for it. But uh, some of us, you know, may need a little bit more support than I Actually, they deserve more support. And so long-term goal, when we think about the, the my mission and the pillars that we stated, this being a long-term career and having a career pathway that people can grow through and that being a clinical uh, pathway, they're going to be in charge of all of that. Um, so I think my relationship with Aaron, uh, the simplest way to put it is that I get to think about and discuss with her what people need to know and learn to be a great veterinary nurse. And she gets to figure out how that's all going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then if we think about Amy, she's the director of nursing leadership and that, that she's going to be the person that fosters le leadership within the people who are on the nursing care team. And so does that, that turn into people who are on the floor that then become uh, lead nurses that uh, then become nursing managers, nursing directors. We're in a conversation about how we might want to establish uh, if there's a medical director for each of the practices, there probably should be a nursing director level person that uh, handles nursing care and develops the nursing care team. And so there, we're in deep discussion about how we make that kind of thing happen. Obviously, this is a long-term process. It's not something that we can just snap our fingers and say, yeah, we're going to have nursing directors. Uh, I wish it was that easy. But um, you know, she's going to be in charge of uh, having eventually nursing directors in each of the practices uh, who then will tie into uh, regional nursing directors that report to her. So then as a team, they can continue to make sure that uh, leadership within the nursing care team is developed, that their voice is heard, and that uh, nursing is established as uh, independent function. So if there's medical and there's nursing and there's operation, those are the three pillars, one to one to one, that function within a hospital so that uh, we can uh, have everything taken care of. And mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it ties into um, all the, the pillars that we're talking about. So then the next person yeah. that I would want to see come onto the team is, and I don't know what this person is going to be called, but uh, I first thought it might be the director of nursing practice because this person is going to be in charge of how nursing is practiced. Um, or maybe it's the director of clinical nursing. Somebody threw that in there and I thought, ah, that sounds pretty good uh, too. But uh, this is the person that would be creating evidence-based guidelines on nursing care, uh, doing clinical clinical audits so that, that we are able to measure our effectiveness and nursing care outcomes and uh, providing a good amount of uh, credentialing support as well. So that seems like the three key pieces that need to come together to 
make it a, a complete picture in terms of the things that we need to address. Mm. Okay. Okay. And not just to play devil's advocate here for a little bit, I, I realize that probably one of the big questions that people are going to have is, is how is this sustainable? Like not, not just the, the change in the culture and the change of, of how you practice, but not to make it all about the pay, but how, how is that sustainable? I, I imagine yeah. that some of the places that I work at, they'd be saying to me, we'd have to double, triple our prices to pay technicians what they're paying. So how do you guys manage that? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a very interesting question to ask because I know that uh, <laughs> Veg has a uh, advantage uh, in some ways that we are emergency practices, which means that uh, our fees may be a little bit higher than what general practices can charge. Sure. sure. Um, there's also the corporate structure in that uh, there's a pool of resources that we can pull on that not every practice needs to be exceedingly financially successful in order for things to be sustained, that there's a ability to absorb all that. But uh, the process that we talked about that we went through, um, I worked very closely with the CFO to take a look at the financial picture and there was room to increase our pay. And that's why we were able to do it. And is this sustainable? I mean, I can only trust the CFO's uh, <laughs> assessment on that, uh, but, um, but it's, uh, it is sustainable, at least uh, yeah. in terms of the numbers that we're looking at in the spreadsheet. And obviously, yeah. we'll need to see the long-term uh, impact uh, financially on that. Um, but we were, again, we were willing to take that short-term financial uh, hit in order to make this a sustainable career for people. And uh, we want to continue uh, upping that bar as we go. And so I think for the practices that wonder if that's truly sustainable for them, I would really encourage looking very closely and deeply into the financial picture to see if, you know, I can't raise that price, is that really true? Or, sorry, I can't, I can't right. raise that wage. That is what I meant to say. Is that really right. true? Right, right. Absolutely. Ken, we're kind of starting to wind down on our hour here, so I don't want to get into too many more deep subjects, but I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> whether about, whether about veg in general, the veterinary technician profession, I'm just wondering, is there anything we haven't covered today about any of this that you want our listeners to hear? Anything else you want to get out? I think that Ultimately, even though I, I work for Veg, um, I want people to know that, you know, ultimately I'm out for the profession, as in mm -hmm. um, I want to uh, see the profession improve, uh, have it be a career for people, that it is sustainable. And so I really mean it when I took on this position because I could make a global impact, that uh, the part about inspiring the field of veterinary nursing, um, I want the things that we do to be whether it's inspiration, whether it's information, whether it's uh, material that you can bring to your management to talk about the different kinds of things that are changing out there, that we're looking at um, overall benefit to the profession. And when we say elevating veterinary nursing, that's what I'm out there to do. Uh, so hopefully um, you'll see some effects on your end and you're able to also think about the resources that you have in your hands to make these things kind of uh, make these kinds of things happen. So I think one thing that we are sort of done doing is talking about change. We need to create. Yeah, create it's, it. it's time. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Excellent. Ken, uh, one, well, not the final question, but one of our last questions we like to ask is, is there a person we should interview or a topic that we should explore on an upcoming episode? I've already written down Nancy Schaffron's name. I don't know why we haven't thought of her before, um, <laughs> but, but, but she's definitely on the list. <laughs> Yeah. Who would but you put any... in your seat for us to talk to? Yeah. 
Oh, geez, I should have prepared for this question. Uh, but um, <laughs> I will say, if you guys haven't talked to Harold Davis, um, then he, I would. He, yeah, he's been I, on our list since the beginning. I really want <laughs> okay. to. Harold, Harold is my idol in this profession, so I, I absolutely want to talk to Harold Davis. I think yeah. that uh, his perspective on how the profession has uh, grown over the course of time, and I think one of the favorite quest- uh, favorite uh, stories that I keep thinking about is uh, he said that way back when he, when he started, you know, he would be asked to hold a dog's mouth open so that uh, the doctor can intubate and that was like oh man i did something really good <laughs> today <laughs> and and i like, can you know, see how far the uh, profession has come but just uh, being able to get the historical context i think is uh, something yeah. that uh, we all uh, could uh, gain from since uh, i think we're all wanting things to change very quickly um in the world today yeah. which i think needs to happen but at the same time yeah. it's also a very long process in which the profession evolves over time so yeah yeah um, absolutely yeah i think you'll enjoy him that's awesome yeah yeah i love that and then our final question that i i know you haven't prepared for is the vet tech cafe would you rather question are you ready for it probably not (laughs) probably not (laughs) uh you you have jeff to blame for this one because he kind of clued me into this one yeah i uh so so i've seen some posts on facebook some barbs back and forth uh between you and some of our uh other VTS Academy colleagues, so that's where this comes from. <laughs> All right. Would you rather attend a nutrition lecture or give a nutrition lecture? <laughs> <laughs> So this is a game where I have to pick, right? You have to pick one, yeah. You have to pick one. I can't say that uh, I'd rather give my ECC lecture and be done with it. (laughs) Nope, nope. You have to attend or give nutrition lectures. (sighs) Um, Well... (laughs) The size says it all. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather sit in a lecture by Kara Burns and be on my phone and not pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) And that way I can avoid the whole topic altogether. <laughs> oh, man. I think I that's where that. I would go to, to 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 not give the give the lecture. But I could I could be there and maybe yeah. maybe sneak yeah. out of, maybe halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually think there may have been times I've been sitting in her lecture and she would like, you know, point to me and ask me a question. And I just act <laughs> like I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, exactly, Kara. Yep, you're good. Yep, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, yep. All right, Ken. Well, thank you so much for yes, taking thank the you time so out. I know you have a, a very busy schedule. I really appreciate you taking some time and, and discussing veg with us because I know, you know, based on the one post that that I saw that was making the rounds about all the future hospital developments that are coming, the, the number of comments and the number of interest, uh, the amount of interest and the, the national footprint that is coming, I, I think is is fantastic and i man i really hope it helps drive some change yeah not just within veg but within you know a little bit of competition for some other corporate type practices to say hey we we need to step this up or we're going to start losing our talent too so i I, i'm really really excited to to kind of sit on the sidelines and watch veg grow for a little while here and see how you elevate and, and this profession and, and from this position and all of your team members within. So thank you very much for coming yes, by you. and talking to us about it. Well, thank you for having me and for the both of you to continue shedding light on some of the areas of our you know uh, profession and different kinds of careers that people could have. And uh, it's uh, very interesting to listen to all that. So keep Great. up the good work.
Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. All right, caffeinators. Well, thanks for coming by and having a cup of coffee with us today. We hope you guys are well, and we will talk to you guys again soon, probably from IVEX by the time you hear this. Yeah, probably. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day. Thank you.